0: Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name's Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by Nick Roush in Louisville, as always. uh, ASR is is deep into high school basketball coverage. Nick, um, I had the honor of calling the 13th region opening uh series or sessions with Ryan Lemon with their partnership and WYMT had a big time there. Saw uh Corbin beat Harlan, then North Laurel beat Barville. So got to see Reed Shepard in the first game. Uh he didn't disappoint. How do you say that, Freddie? Barville.
1: So okay, so I've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time saying Barberville.
0: Don't yeah, no, take the second B out. Barvel. Okay,
1: just Barville. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's uh, like you're going to the bar shop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so Reed Shepard didn't disappoint, man. North Carolina's a good, good team. I mean, they're ranked that high for a reason. They're all sophomores. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And then uh, Corbin is just well coached. He's got a lot of good athletes. Uh, you know, Tony Petroskey does a great job there. Then beat Harlan City, who was he was coached by Derek Cal, former teammate of mine. And uh, Nick, you would have enjoyed that second game. It was rough. No, that's I mean, it, how I like it. it, it I, I hate rough. when it they was,
1: try yeah. to take the physicality out of basketball. No, no, no,
0: no. Listen, the referees—I uh, uh, think they're from the fifteenth region. Uh, and the two games that I saw, man, they let them play, and and that, they did a great job. And the Harlan Corbin game got really, really rough early on. I mean, there was some tangles up, you know, mm-hmm. tie up, and and you know, getting ready to square off, and the referees got control of it. Man, that was that was a good game. It, it was physical. Uh, and it was fun. It was fun. Uh, but just like last week, I'm gonna start out, Nick, the Depth Chart Podcast mm-hmm. by an accomplishment from Eastern Kentucky.
1: Oh, what we got tonight or today? Yes,
0: yeah. The Alice Lloyd College women's basketball team won the NCCAA Division I women's national championship by beating wow. Northwestern Eagles out of Minnesota 68 to 53. Alice Lloyd is in Pippa Passes, which is in Knott County, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read you a few hometowns of their roster. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Hit me. Grayson, Kentucky. Grayson, Kentucky. London, Kentucky. Potville, Kentucky. Inez, Kentucky. Inez, Ooh, Kentucky. Inez. Campton, Kentucky. Paintsville, Kentucky. Whitesburg, Kentucky. Potville, Kentucky. And Owenton, Kentucky. So, a now, lot of Kentucky players on that roster, Nick Rouse. Is uh, congratulations to Alice Lord for winning the national championship.
1: Is Pippa passes where June Buchanan is? Was is June Buchanan still around?
0: Uh, that's a great question. I, it's in Knott County,
1: they were really good when I was in high school. Uh, they had a couple guys that went and played big time college basketball, but I because yes. I, I, that, that, I remember playing. Uh, they, they were they were some big old dudes, and so naturally yes. I had to go up against them a lot. But June uh,
0: Buchanan is in Pippa Passes, and it's Kentucky. still around. Good, good. Around. I know a lot yeah. of
1: places they get merged up. Um, yeah, there's some ballers in that part of the state, and you're <clears throat> absolutely. You're, you're going. You went. So you went from thirteenth region,
0: and then yes. tonight you're going fifteenth and sixteenth region. I'm going fifteenth. I'm going now tonight. I'm going 16th. Oh, uh, I've okay. got, yes, I've got uh, two games in the 16th regional tournament. So that should be fun. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got West Carter versus Ashland Blazer in the first game. And then Boyd Ooh. County plays Rowland County in the second. So Rowland County is in Moorhead. The tournament is in Moorhead. Oh, well, home court uh, the, advantage. The Vikings are hot right now. We'll see how that works out. Man, but Ash, Ashland a... Blazer is the favorite in that region.
1: R- Rowan County, though, they went on a like 30 to six run in their in their opening game. Something crazy yeah. to come back and win. Uh, but I, I you gave a shout out to Alice Lloyd College. I got to give a shout out to the Thomas Moore women's basketball team. The Saints, they made it all the way to the NAI national championship game. Before they lost it was just their second loss of the season. They got knocked oh, off man. as the favorite in the title, but still a great season for the Saints. Yeah. They're their powerhouse up there, man. I don't know if you know Sydney Moss, but yep, she she would ball till she fall out there. I mean, I think she was like the all-time scorer in that division until they were like, Oh, you had a broken leg and you lived in your coach's apartment while you rehabbed because you didn't want to climb up a flight of stairs. Uh so that's illegal, uh, even though it's D three. Like, yeah. like, come on, that's
0: unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. real
1: silly. But Thomas Moore, they, they got a good thing going there. Congrats! Shout yep. out to the, to the to the Saints.
0: Absolutely. So, Alice Floyd College, congratulations, national champions. Thomas Moore, congrats, great year. So, ooh, that means well, I yeah, need one more right thing
1: ahead. before football, Freddie. You go ahead. You go right ahead. There's one guy that is on my radar. Who's just he's a baller. And I, I'm interested to see what he does when he gets into some camps and starts running. And that's a guy by the name of Jawan Northington. All right. So, Freddie, check this out. He's five foot 11 and he plays basically forward center for Manual. And he's going up last night against Caleb Glenn, a 6'6 sophomore who's ranked as the number 44 basketball player in America. He's even ranked higher than Reed Shepard. This dude who's a he's a running back on the football team, on the basketball team, he's just backing down Glenn in the post, putting bodies on dudes. He gets the game winning off or excuse me, game tying offensive rebound put back to put the game into overtime. Had like 14 points, 16 rebounds. And this dude's like six inches shorter than everybody. And he's just out there using his body, throwing it around. I mean, what a freaking stud. He almost single handedly beat Mail the year before as a running back, he had like 200 something yards. He's an absolute hoss cat. And I, I'm interested if he's got enough juice, uh, I, I think he could really blow up this summer when they finally uh, open recruiting back up and let some coaches watch these kids.
0: That's a good name to to keep their eyes on, Nick Roush. And I have another one for you. And mm. I have people that listens to KSR. I'm sure they've heard Matt talk about him. but uh, Gavin Chadwell from Knox Central. K-N-O-X, Central, out of Barville. 6'5", 230 pounds, 14-year-old freshman, plays tight end, defensive end. Wait, 6'5", yes. freshman? Yes, 14 years old. pounds? Maybe 15, I, yeah. I
1: was a 6'5", freshman, and I bet I weighed 190 pounds wet. Yeah. <laughs> he's 240?
0: Yeah. He's yeah, built he's, like me, except not yeah. like beer belly. but look but look look for this kid look for this cab chadwell kid to start getting some serious looks across the uh, football landscape because i mean he's an athlete too to be that size to be that young uh man his his future is unbelievable uh so yeah they saw him in the 13th region so there's a couple names for you for we'll give to to zach for the recruiting world
1: how does he uh like if he was standing side by side with Dakota Patterson, are they like comparable sizes?
0: No, no. Okay. Chadwell hey, is... is already more developed
1: <laughs> oh, <gosh>. physically <laughs> and taller. Yeah. I'm, I'm Patterson's serious. a beast, man. Patterson Isn't looks it? like he's a different like he looks like you need to bring the birth certificate to the Little League kind of deal. You yeah. Know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, no, he's a good looking athlete, man. Very good af- good looking athlete. But this Chadwell kid is just a freshman, man. He is uh Wow. Just keep that name in mind as All we right. go forward. Yeah. Nick Rouse, Mark Stoops, took to the airwaves today in a press conference and on KSR. What what of his remarks jumped out at you?
1: I I'm glad that he came to us after practice and he looked at the stat sheet because I feel like a lot of times when we talk to him, he won't he he's hesitant to say stuff because he hasn't rewatched things. He hasn't really had time to consume it. It's just instant reaction. And I think he said the quarterbacks were 29 of 34.
0: Yeah. On Tuesday.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. And then, um, and then the other thing, I mean, obviously, you know, Wyndale and Josh Ali, that's the best one-two punch since Juice and Jeff Bidette. But when he said that Tay-Tay was making some plays, I'm very encouraged to hear that because yeah, uh, as we've kind of come to know over the first two weeks, the other guys they're, they're putting a premium on speed. And yeah. Tay Tay is one of the few guys that has that speed. Cleveland and Isaiah Epps are the early ones, the early other guys standing out because they're experienced. And Epps does have that top end speed. But, you know, it's still just this fall. Uh, some of the spring, you know, you really want to look ahead to the future. And I was glad to hear that Tay Tay went and made some plays.
0: Yeah, me too. I I, I want to see Tay Tay Grooms, Michael Drennan, and Isaiah Cummins, that red shirt class, how they do and develop as, as receivers in the Cohen system um, because we've talked about it so many times. It's not even funny that I feel that there's some absolute dudes coming in this summer. Uh, Christian Lewis, Devante Ross, mm-hmm. Mikael Crowdas, Chauncey Magwood is already on campus. So I think those young guys are, are going to get some looks because they're physically that talented, in my opinion uh, with Isaiah with Isaiah, Epps, Cleveland Thomas, um, are they – are they excelling because of the system or because of what they can do against SEC talent when the games start playing and teams begin to scout what Lee Cohen's doing? That, that's a question that I would have, um, you know. But it's good – it's a good sign that they've both been sing- singled out. And, and, and that's that's something that Kentucky needs. Is players at that wide position, wide receiver right. position, and I would go further, Nick. I would say that Wondell Robinson and uh, Josh Ali. I would take that duo over. Uh, who you got, Juice, Juice and Bedet? Yeah, I would take. I would take Wondell and Josh over Juice and Bidette any day of the week, twice on Sunday.
1: Okay, twice on Sunday. It, yeah, Freddie. You know what the the Cleveland Cleveland stuff says almost. I think it speaks more to the culture of what's happening right now than anything because, like, come on, let's be honest, Freddie. If I was a senior and you're bringing in God knows how many recruits and transfers of these positions, it'd be very easy to mail it in. But it really speaks volumes to that. to that guy, those guys' character and the personality and competitiveness in that room, that they aren't just gonna hang it up and hop in the portal for a year somewhere else, go to FIU or something like that. They're 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 giving it their all to 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 secure a spot and take advantage of this opportunity for a fresh start with a new offensive coordinator.
0: Absolutely. And and listen, there's nobody happier for Epps and Cleveland Thomas and I am. I mean, I'm all for them. Uh but I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit by saying there's some dudes coming that they're going to have to compete with. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm not for sure that this receiver rotation, much like the starting quarterback position, (laughs) won't be set until deep in the fall camp. Right,
1: right, right. Which, like, Stoops is getting, you know, uh, we've heard the runaround with the quarterback question before, but the way he speaks with Matt and with the KSR audience, he puts a little bit more – is it empathy emotion behind his, his words, or he's like, like these guys really they're so focused on just being better and learning the offense that we don't really have time to worry about a competition. And yeah. I genuinely believe that like, and it's not even crossing my mind where the pecking order is right now, because there's going to be so much that changes between now and September
0: 4th. Oh, absolutely. And, but, and, but 29 to 34, let's, let's just look at that number. <laughs> That's good. That's uh, know, Kentucky, when was the last time
1: When was the last time you heard numbers like that from coming from Kentucky football, Freddie? Tim Couch, maybe. I mean, Woodson probably had a couple games like that.
0: Yeah. But, well, yeah, Woodson, because he uh, you know, he
1: he was really accurate. I think hard he line. Hardline had
0: has some good games
1: too. But man, twenty nine of thirty four. Hell, thirty four passes be. being thrown in a game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's 85 percent completion ratio for those keeping score at home. And Kentucky, this last past season, completed 59.7. Let's look at let's look at the Kentucky passing numbers from 2020. 59 percent of their passes were completed for just 1,336 yards. Not dead great, last man. in the SEC. Yeah, 5.5 mm-hmm. yards per attempt dead last in the SEC, seven touchdown passes last in the SEC through five interceptions, uh, 22 attempts per game last in the SEC. And then yardage obviously is going to be last at 121 yards per game, nearly 70 yards less than South Carolina, who's 13th in the, in the SEC. So this Kentucky passing game had a lot of room to grow. And, and I think, I think just by hearing the excitement in Mark Stoop's voice is, is good to hear for me because uh, listen, I mean, 20 29 or 34 is something to be excited about, even if it, it is spring practice. Right. Even just if it is or only four seven f- or, seven, or whatever. whatever. You know, I'm not for sure Kentucky could have gone 29 or 34 versus Ayer last year. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. Because I'm saying that with all honesty and truthfulness, 29 to 34 is a good percentage for routes against air. Uh, For that to be against competition, that's a heck of a sign. And and it shows me a couple things that the confidence that the quarterbacks and receivers are talking about. uh, You know, that system has been installed quickly. And it's, it's shocking the defense for Kentucky right now. Brad White's defense is getting a little bit shocked, not caught off guard, but this is something new that they're facing because I'm sure there was a routine of going against the grand system for so long. It was, you know, status quo in practice, but now that they're on their heels a little bit, which is a good sign for Kentucky because we, I feel, and, and you know, I don't, I don't speak for anybody else. I'm confident that Kentucky's going to have another good defense. Brad White's defenses have finished fourth in the SEC in consecutive years, number one in pass defense, led the league in interception. So Kentucky does not have, per se, top five talent in the SEC on the defensive side of the football. It's close, but they're a top five defense. I think that's going to carry over. But when you're talking about an offense that with a passing game that has been so bad for Kentucky for for quite a while now, This is bringing on excitement. And Mark Stoops is not a guy that gets up there and and preaches false hope. He's not full of false bravado. He does not throw out a bunch of stuff about excitement. When he's excited, there's something going on. And and that's what I took away from his press conference. And and I like the fact that he talked about competitiveness, you know, about the quarterback position. If you don't want to compete, don't come here. Uh, You know, that's the way it is. Quarterback, you, you can't shy away from competition. Have to embrace it. I mean, th- that's something that the quarterback position not only at Kentucky but across the board of college football is now because with the transfer rules and everything, you're going to compete. You can't project as a high school player which quarterbacks you're going to have to compete against in, at the collegiate level because of the transfer rules now. So right. you know, a high school player that's going from that level to college, you're going to have to pick where home is, feel a place that feels like home for you because quarterbacks are going to be coming in and out of every school, every major school in the country. You're going to have to believe in yourself and not be afraid to compete. And I like that he said that. And and I like that there's competition at the quarterback positions.
1: Yeah. And I, I also just, because I think the, the point too, um, behind all of this is that Stoops is He's a big fan of throwing water on offensive expectations. <laughs> he has yeah. been for a long time. And um I know we've heard it before like you know quarterback play is going to be improved regardless. But having the receivers that they have to catch passes now. I mean Josh Ali, he did pretty well being the only guy last year. Um so to have Wandale there to to add another dimension to it to have improve quarterback play. I mean, you you were talking about that 29 versus 34 against air. I mean that set that I just go back to the epitome of where Kentucky's passing offense was. It just was perfectly summarized in that final series before halftime against South Carolina. Kentucky's beating yeah. the crap out of them. They get a turnover, the ball's on like the 30 yard right. line. You get three shots at the end zone. It did come got, close. Yeah, you got to bet three. You know, betting three hundred will get you in the baseball Hall of Fame, but like, that's that should be expected. I mean, or at least close. But it, I mean, it was just jump balls and no nowhere, nothing. It was it was bad. Um, yeah, and I I at least have higher expectations now. Um But. There's there's also a side of me too that like I still want to see it to believe it, Freddie, and it's it's yeah. kind of what you echoed with the the defensive lineman previously. That there's always going to be a part of me that's like, yes, I think they can do it, but I still need to see it to to know yeah. that it will be there consistently. Yeah, me
0: me too. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think that that feels a lot of positions for Kentucky right now, not just on the offensive ball side of the ball. You know, I, I'm in a show me state of mind, or I want to see it from the linebacker position that Jamin Davis vacated. Jared Casey, the Eric Jackson, uh, Luke Fulton. You know, I, I want to see it. I have to see it before I can make uh, make a judgment call on it as far as what I project. Same thing with Boogie Watson's position. Uh, Justice Dingle, KD McDaniel. You know, I've got to see those guys in action before I can, you know, I can really sink my teeth into evaluating this Kentucky defense as a unit, same way with the offense. But with that said, I think we need to be prepared to talk about Wandell Robinson on a national scale. He was a finalist for the Paul Horning Award winner, award winner at, at Nebraska. Wandell Robinson could be poised to have a Rondell Moore type of breakout season for Kentucky. And I think we need we need to start talking about that now. I think, you know, with the quarterback competition, the new offensive coordinator, everything, uh, you know, everything else being talked about, you know, I think Wondell Robinson's significance to this team has been glossed over. uh, If that's possible, even though he's such a quality player coming from Nebraska to Kentucky, I think it's been watered down because now you can't look on social media without seeing 25 players announcing that they're in a transfer portal. Uh, which is the new norm for college football in 2021. But I'm ready to t- start talking about Wandell Robinson on a national and a conference and national level. I think he has that much potential. And when a player like Josh Paschal uh, has <laughs> – and says he's the truth, you know, Josh Pascal has been around the block a while now mm-hmm. in his fifth year at Kentucky and has gone against some absolute dudes in the Southeastern Conference and, and beyond. I mean, you know, throw in Louisville, throw in North Carolina State. I mean, you can throw in uh, uh a bowl of opponents with that. He understands what playmakers are. So, when he says that about Wondell, you know, when Josh speaks, I listen. I trust his words. He wouldn't throw that kind of praise out if he didn't mean it. I'm projecting like, I, – I, I think, honest to God, we need to start looking at, okay, what, where does Wandale Robinson – stack up nationally. We know what he's going to do at Kentucky. We know what we're expecting him to do in the Southeastern Conference, but where does he stack up against the best slot receivers in the country is the area that I'm going to start focusing on because I think if everything goes as I think it's going to go, that's the level of of play. That's the level of eliteness that we're going to be discussing when, when, when focused on Wondell Robinson.
1: I like too that he called him the truth. And I immediately thought of the guy who calls into all the radio shows. It's <laughs> like, so that's who it's been this whole time. Just Wandale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. You know, and then, you know, going back again, that, that number sticks out to me, 20, uh, 29, 34. Now, I, I was an average at best SEC quarterback. I'm not so sure in, you get on any given day. That, that I could have gone 29-34 against air. I mean, if you throw the whole route tree, get the whole route tree involved. That is pitching and catching the football, and, and that is something uh, that, that gets me excited about Lane Cohen's offense, and, and I want to see it. And I'm excited to see it. But you know what? So is Missouri, and they're not going to see it until they get on the field at Kroger Field, which is a good thing, right? So I'm mm-hmm. excited about the offense uh Leon Coleman was on on behind the podium the other day and made the stats are for losers comment which is in reference to Sean McVay. uh I went back and looked at that in context he was talking about players and coaches apparently on an airplane focusing in on stats their individual stats instead of the big picture of the game i think that's what he was referencing uh you know there's a big argument there's a big i mean it, the the analytics versus instincts People as far as college football head coaches and coordinators, that's as divisive as politics, man. I mean, you have people on both sides that are just very animate about their stance. But I think that Lynn Coleman was just talking about players that are focused on individual statistics. And he is 100% going to use every resource available to him in advanced analytics, advanced stats and all that. So I think that got a little bit overplayed by some, by some folks here. But I, I think that Leon Cohen is modern enough, he's young enough, and he's experienced enough to understand that you need every tool in the bag to be successful as an offensive coordinator, and he's going to mix that instincts and analytics to, to call the plays that he feels that will help his team win.
1: Well, Freddie, here's the thing. Uh, that's a hilarious quote, and I think uh, <laughs> I think they so, – it's one of those things that you can it's a fun throwaway quote and if you say like oh we like this stat or we like this stat and you share that publicly then you're like that's something you don't want to share (laughs) you know what i mean so instead you you give out that uh kind of quote which is funny but like to say that they aren't looking at the box score or anything i mean come on like they're 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 checking out all that stuff
0: yeah, I mean, he went on to say that everything is charted, so you know there's a stat for everything that they do. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, yeah,
0: but but I just still think you know, football existed before analytics. Steve Spurrier lit up the country before analytics. Mike Leach, I'm not so sure he's a big analytics guy. has a has a postcard for his play cards. So I'm not for sure he he. He refers to much to many numbers when he calls plays. I mean, football existed before analytics. I think there's a place for analytics. Uh, it's too much for me, the deep stuff, uh, because you know it's too much for me personally when I write about football. Because I, you know, there's not a lot of people. The percentage know, of, of yeah. folks that fly at thirty thousand feet as far as football is not that high. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, you, me, and you, Adam, everybody could get so football nerdy. Which would be impressive, but no, not too many people would understand it, or you know what I mean. So, yeah, I, I like the basic statistics, and and that's just my style. But I think Cohen, you know, he, he's a, he's a young guy. He's going to focus on everything. It's going to help his team. But there are inst- instances where you trust the gut more than a more than the algorithm. You know, if you see a defense tired, if the quarter, you know, what the thing that that I I, I think is is just as important as all this advanced stat stuff is is the old-fashioned telephone from the sideline to the press box from the quarterback. Mm -hmm. You know, the quarterback can see a a blitzing outside linebacker when his eyes are cheating, and he knows it down a distance. He can go back to the phone, you know, call Cohen and say, listen, this is what's going on. Or you can see variations on the fingers of stances on the defense to see if they're going to bleed blitzing. or what. I mean, there's so many human element variations that goes into that. My thing is with analytics and and, and instincts is you got to match them up, you got to marry them up, and just do whatever you get to win football games.
1: Yeah, and I I also like that analytics have somehow gotten removed from stats because really it's just a way to assign some sort of metric, some sort of number to everything. When like yeah. for for me, Freddie, sometimes I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm good. I know if that's a good player or not, but it's just a different yeah. way to evaluate. You know?
0: Oh yeah, I I get it, but you know, if you're I would be worried about Lee and Cohen if he said I need to refer to our advanced stats when it's third and one on the 29 going in. And analytics say on the left hash you're supposed to run a play action pass when you've got Chris Rodriguez (laughs) and Darren (laughs) (laughs) Kennard. It doesn't take a high-speed computer to tell me to hand the football off to Chris Rodriguez behind Darren Kennard.
1: Which that you know. leads us to the other thing that Liam Coleman said this week. Chris Rodriguez needs 25 touches a game. Do you know how many times Chris Rodriguez had 25 touches last year, Freddie?
0: I would say none. Yeah, zero. Yeah. He averaged 13.3 touches per game, Nick. Hmm. 13.3. That's not very many. You know... Yeah. I, and mean, all the KSR football folks have written about this till we're blind about get the football to... <laughs> This and, Chris for and, and you know what the
1: thing too that I love uh, like because here's the thing that stinks. We we're just taking all these guys for their word right now. But when their words are exactly what we're saying, like Liam Cohen says, it's my job to get him the football. And we're saying, yeah. yes, that's why they're paying you lots of money. Like, yes, they- Yeah. <laughs> Bravo yes yes absolutely in in you know if if it wasn't in the wildcat I know fans will be even happier so just getting him the ball in 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 different ways too that was another point he touched on like we don't need to just turn around and hand him the ball off uh they did a lot of that now Rodriguez is running routes which he said he's like I like it it's something new and I'm trying to get used to um but the thing that I think I enjoyed most about it was when talking about coach settle, he was like, Oh, he going to get you right. And I was just yeah. like, Oh, that sounds like a dude who, I mean, the the tone in which he like lowered his voice and kind of stared blankly into space. That was the like, Oh, good Lord. I'm not ticking off this guy or else. Right. <laughs> yeah, which I, yeah, I like that. He's already set that kind of tone of like, Oh, he's going to get you right. That, there's, yeah. there's no messing around with that guy.
0: Yeah, and we wrote about that. Remember how, how, how Settle will be a calming voice or a, an experienced voice for Lee and Cohen because he's been around so many years and been around so many offenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like how, you know, Cohen also talks about cadence, uh, about all that. You know, Adam wrote a, a good column, uh, Lee and Cohen offense, cadence, play action, advanced stats. Uh, and, and I think he went into, you know, how how cadence can impact an, an offense. And, and you know, I, and I'm glad about that. I'm happy that Kentucky's finally going to go back to quarterbacks calling cadence. Because if I see any more of that goofy hand clapping, uh, you know, I, I don't know why. You know, certain things in life just, just annoy bugs. you. Yeah. Just yeah. bugs me. Uh-huh. That that stupid hand clap gets on my last nerve. And to take it a step farther, the fake hand clap, which is ne- which is the modern day hard count. It, it, it's just it's a bridge too far for me, Nick Rouse. I, I just can't do it, brother. I, I'm, I'm so happy that the hand clap is going to go away.
1: Now, my question to you, what was your cadence back in the day, Freddie?
0: <sighs> uh, color number. Uh, then open for audible. And then set, go, or set height, whatever you want. It varied, but. There's always a color number and then number. Some colors were, were hot colors. And then you know, meaning if, if I said red forty seven or whatever, mm-hmm. it would uh, change you it know, up. It, it, it would change it. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: or something like that. Yeah, run. yeah. It was gonna yeah. be a run, you know. It
0: was right? gonna be a run. It was right. not, it, was, you know, my only option was run left or run right. So right, right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but you know, that there's certain numbers in there that, that mean things. Mm-hmm. Certain colors. Uh and I bet you also, got
1: real like like it sounded like you were just growling.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until the third quarter, it was, was hoarse. <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. I mean, plus it always, it also gives a quarterback the ability to change plays. Uh, you know, now, nowadays, you see a lot of teams pause and look to the sideline. Maybe, you know, quarterbacks at Kentucky will be able to change some plays by the cadence, you know, and, and you get, and you can walk up to the line, check, 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 you know. Or, 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 or audible that way. I mean, some some things, but I like how Adam wrote about the cadence because I love that. And I love the fact that Kentucky's in the huddle, but yet Cohen said it could still go fast paced, even though it's in the huddle. Uh, so I, I'm liking everything and, and I hear. Stoops, but again, I'm, I'm even the mentioned race. that
1: today, too, about how, yeah. like, you know, I know we're in a huddle and that might sound weird. And it's like, I mean, it's not that weird. You know what I think is weird, though, is when defenses huddle. Like, yeah, there's no need to huddle. Like, you're just. You're getting closer together for no. I mean,
0: just shout the play out. Like I think, I think my Cumberland High School defensive huddles were the were the coolest of all defensive huddles. Ooh, what you do Because you had two play callers. Well, actually, three. So you, you had one. You had two linebackers lead the huddle, and one linebacker would give the defense. You know, and then the, before that, the other linebacker would give the down and distance. So, oh. you get in a defensive huddle, one linebacker say, okay, second three, second second three, second three. Second, three. Mm-hmm. Then the next defense, would, then another linebacker would be like, you know, 62, cover five, or whatever. And then the free safety, the cornerbacks and strong safety would stay where they are in the field. They wouldn't get in the huddle. The free safety would get in the huddle. And they give hand signals to the other DBs on what the coverage was.
1: Oh. Okay. So
0: I thought I thought Cumberland High School was a little bit ahead of our head of the time with that. And uh that was pretty cool, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean it does sound like there was a lot, there was a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Um, which I, I do enjoy, but I was nobody was happier than me than the day that we figured out like, Hey, we've got these wristbands. Like we can just call out, like, <laughs> we can do sign. And the thing is too, is like defensive signs are much less complicated than, Oh uh, yeah. The, Cause you just a coverage in a uh, formation, like, you, you know, you don't need a, a whole lot in there and there's, so like there was maybe three different things that they could do, you know, it yeah. wasn't a whole lot.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I agree. And, and the most common Cumberland High School, defensive call was down in distance. Bears D cover one, so we did the old forty six. Oh, ooh, nice Chicago nice. Bears, where everybody was at the line of scrimmage. Cover one mm-hmm. is we're gonna man up and say, okay, our athletes are better than yours. See what you can do. Ours were uh, ours was over
1: green, so and I mean we were kind of in like a four three, but green just meant we were walking up our strong safety, and it was basically a four four. Yeah, um, and playing cover three. Blue was yeah. covered too, and that was whenever oh the worst too, Freddie. One time we tried to switch to a 335 for one week, that ended in disaster. Like, come on, <laughs> why, 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 why why we gotta get smarter than people? We're big. Let's just knock them in the mouth. Some good old fashioned, <laughs> good old fashioned football, which uh Freddie, I gotta while I'm while I'm mentioning some good old fashioned football, I gotta gripe real quickly. Um Freddie, you know Matt Campbell?
0: At Iowa State? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The media, they love him. Like, he's going to be the next Bear Bryant. No, no, no. no. Uh, he,
0: he's only second to Shane Beamer at at South Carolina. Okay. As, the, as the best coach in college football. Yeah,
1: so he, when he becomes South Carolina's head coach next, my God, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. I saw a lengthy article today on The Athletic, and it was just, man, this guy, he's just thinking outside of the box. It's it, Matt Campbell, he's done it again. And he explained that he's changing up his spring practices so that now they're not going to put on pads until the fourth week of spring practice. Mm. If I'm a player, how exciting does that sound, Freddie? Sounds good. Yeah, you get to just run around in your (laughs) shorts. for. When I heard that, like, so my initial thought was, my God, that sounds miserable. I mean, what are you going to... You're just going to be – it also sounds painful, too, because you still have to, like, hit people and yeah. work on hand placement and stuff, you don't even get shoulder pads to hold on to. Or, like, yeah. if you're running one-on-ones uh, and you bump heads, like, it, it sounded yeah. more dangerous. And I this the whole time it was like, you know, we want to make sure that these guys are refreshed. We want to help with their recovery. We thought that they really, as the year got on, and we went lighter and lighter – that they were able to recover better and they had more left in the tank,
0: which yeah, so, sounds that, like hell, mummy.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing, Freddie. That sounds okay in the middle of the season when you got people who know what they're doing and you just want to you want to lighten the load. But like, did they not remember that they lost their first game in the season because they couldn't tackle? <laughs> I mean, great like, point. I mean, and then it was to a Louisiana team who was a good team. They yeah. I think they won nine, ten games. Uh, very but, good, but, very good team. But. I just, I, the notion that less pads is better and safer is just totally bunk. And yeah. as a player, it would drive me nuts. Now I get, like, I shells were my favorite, Freddie, because that meant we weren't taking dudes to the ground. And, right. you know, I'm all for it. But, like, if I'm alignment, I don't have anything to grab onto if you don't have shoulder pads. Like, yeah. you're not doing – yes, you can work on footwork and all that junk. But you know when you can else work on footwork and all that junk? When you can't have a football. These are the only 15 times all yeah. year that the coaches get to work with them. And I just – I could not believe that that is being applauded. And I just wanted to just go up to Matt Campbell and be like, dude, get stop. And tell yeah. all the national media, like, just scratch him off your list. This guy's a weenie. Like, who? I, I'm getting frustrated just thinking about having to practice. Imagine how boring that would be, Freddie. You're going to yeah. practice and you can't even hit anybody. Oh, yeah, just you know, I would have my questions,
0: lawn, kids, because you know, spring practice for red shirt freshmen is is vital. I mean, it is of the utmost importance to see, you know, how the growth. In the weight room and putting on weight, taking off weight, however you want to put it, and and letting them let the redshirt freshmen get after it. That that's what you want to see. Uh, you know, that, look at Anwar Stewart's defensive line. You know, now we're going in pads at Kentucky, he gets to evaluate. You know, he, and it's also when you're in your pads in spring practice, especially for the redshirt guys, it's good for a head coach to evaluate his overall program, not just what they're doing on the field, but Okay, is my strength and conditioning program is good enough to get them prepared for a year of redshirting? Is my nutrition program sufficient to either help players gain weight, lose weight, gain strength, gain endurance and stamina? Is that good enough? We're seeing gains from a redshirt season to actually competing season. So there's a lot of things there that that the head coach could miss out on. But I've grown to learn throughout the years that, you know, he is – he is a media darling. Uh-huh. And who whoever the head coach at South Carolina is mm. is a media darling, no matter the name. But there there are just certain programs and certain coaches that have gained favor with the media and really can do no wrong. So uh it is what it is, man. I I don't agree with it. But that's just me. Who am I? I'm not a coach. Right,
1: right. And and I I well, I, I said it earlier, but, like, I totally get really dialing things back in the middle of the season, especially if you've got an experienced team and tackling is not a problem because, you you know, it's just a good way to avoid injury, uh, keep morale up because you're not just r- running them into the dirt during the week. You're keeping them fresh for Saturdays. But this is spring, and, like, yeah. you, you, it's the one time a year you get, uh, you know, it's it's just for – four it's a, it's a month out of six that you're yeah. actually hitting dudes and i would want to I, I mean imagine if cash daniel was told that he couldn't wear shoulder pads until week four of practice
0: yeah yeah that, <laughs> you know some, like, like yeah
1: i just can't i it just it blows my mind it blows and then mind.
0: week one of 2020 we saw teams that did not uh tackle yeah. or, or practice navy Against um, B was it Navy against BYU that was and they so lost bad seventy to three or something like yeah that. Iowa State I mean there's some teams that started out real bad and later on we found out that, that some of those teams that had bad starts uh, didn't have a lot of contact in fall camp so uh, football is a game of contact unfortunately it's a it's game blocking, of injuries tackling
1: running yeah passing yeah yeah <laughs> it's a game of
0: injuries and I hate to say this but if you're going to if you're going to sustain injuries it's better to do that in spring practice than it is in fall camp yeah uh, you yeah. know so i don't know yeah Nick, it just uh, that,
1: that drove me nuts freddie i had to get off my chest i was just i i, I deleted like seven tweets i was so mad like I just
0: ah.
1: <laughs> I what couldn't, uh couldn't help myself
0: where what what do you have left in high school basketball you got the championship games
1: i, I have championship games tonight is the six region semifinals and freddie i'm very nervous because my DeSales Colts are playing. It's the best team we've had in 20 years almost uh since i was in like middle school and i'm just nervous because we've been we've been winning ugly lately and i'm worried that there there's not a whole lot left in the tank because they played a yeah. tough schedule in the regular season won the lit and i just i, I fear that i'm going to be a jinx whenever i show up to the game today so i i really hope they can take down shane and the dudes bullet
0: east uh, all of these
1: chargers. So uh,
0: I am, I'm extremely jealous of your proximity to your regions that you the two regions that you drew.
1: Yeah. It's only about you know, 15, 20 minute drive, a little bit yeah. closer than,
0: you know, Morehead State or uh, Pikeville. Pikeville. App- Appalachian Wireless Arena in Pikeville, which is a very nice arena, uh,
1: how, home how of cool the
0: 15th region tournament
1: that they brought it. That, that's one thing that you look at. Valley High School Gym, it's a big gym, it's brand new. They just built it, they built it to host these regionals, but it's not as cool as like the fourth region played at Western, the first region plays at Murray State, 15th at uh, Moorhead. Then you've got at Appalachian Wireless Arena, like, yeah, you got
0: some really cool venues out there. Yeah, the 13th was in the, the Corbin Arena, which is beautiful. Man, that place and sits up on that hill too, it's it looks beautiful. like a palace, and and the thing. I want to say the thirteenth region is better than any other region in Kentucky because it had two coal trucks in the end zone of the of the basketball region. So I wish, I wish they would have it, let it, you take it for a spin. Unless unless you can top two coal trucks, and I don't think any other region has anything that can match that, then the thirteenth region is the best region. <laughs> I will say this. No, I'll say Nick. There are some there are some athletes in the 13th region that are young north south uh, north laurel is virtually all sophomores mm-hmm. corbin virtually freshmen and sophomores Knox central you know with the chadwell kid i mean there are so many young athletes down in in that part of kentucky you know i'm not sure if it's southeast but it's definitely south kentucky with, with corbin london uh you know bar was with, with the kid from Knox central and then, and then the Patterson kid that's a very good basketball player from Knox Central, uh, that part of the state is producing some, some very nice athletes. And then you go over to the 15th region where I'm going tomorrow night to see uh, that, that, that region play is football country now. It is uh, four teams in the parameters of 15th region as per the basketball region. Have won state championships in the last five years. Pikeville, Belfry, Johnson Central, and Paintsville. Uh that's pretty good, you know, for, for 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 far eastern Kentucky for that area surrounding Pikeville, Paintsville and, and Prestonsburg area. Uh that's that's pretty good. So I'm interested to get over there and check out some basketball.
1: And I'm also glad too, Freddie, that it, it's fun getting back in these gyms and having the atmosphere because even though there aren't as many people there and it's not the kind of sold out packed house, it still has has that feel. And I just I it, it made me so happy to be because this this male manual game, male manual's the oldest rivalry in the state. They've been playing yeah. football against each other since the eighteen hundreds. And for that game manual to make a big comeback and you get, you know, one side of the crowd getting loud and the other side starts complaining about fouls. I mean it was it was just so much fun to experience that again.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, uh, in the big picture of things, Lexington Catholic is out, Mail is out, Coving Catholic is Coving the Catholic's out. So yeah. it's, it's really good become, teams. Yeah. yeah. It's quickly becoming like the NCAA tournament where it's going to be wide open. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no Gonzaga in Kentucky right now. I mean, there's no team that you look at now with, with Catholic. Alexa uh, Catholic, Kevin Catholic, and mail out that, that, you know, you're saying, well, this team's going to walk through the tournament. They're, so it's up for grabs, and I'm excited uh, hey, to see how that plays out next week.
1: One guy who's going to be at the Sweet 16, their team's pretty darn good, too. That's Jordan Ding on the Bowling Green Purples.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. They yeah. won the, what, fourth region. Yeah. Tyler so. Thompson had that coverage, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, yeah. I got to get cleaned up and head east, my friend.
1: All right, well, safe travels. Godspeed and wish everyone well out in East Kentucky for me.
0: And congratulations to the Alice Lloyd uh, women's basketball team, national champions, represented the uh, the Commonwealth of Kentucky extremely well, and I'm very proud uh, of Alice Lloyd for doing that. So, congratulations. Well Well done. Nick, we'll talk soon. We'll have a KSR football podcast hopefully next week to catch back up. And then, uh, you know, KSR is your place for football podcasts. you got, obviously, the KSR Football Podcast, 11 Personnel with Adam Luckett, and, and you, Nick Rouse, do a great job of breaking things down. And then this podcast, The Depth Chart, we hope you enjoy it. I hope you uh, subscribe to it tell your friends about it. And uh, uh, we, uh, we are very thankful that you took the time to listen to us talk today. And we appreciate you. Stay safe. And we will see you next week.